Welcome to the Center Point Pentecostal Church Podcast. We hope that this podcast finds you well and that you are ready for a life-changing message from one of our outstanding and anointed ministers. If you like this podcast, please be sure to give us a follow and a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Now let's get to today's message. So Proverbs 14 and 10, starting there, and then we're going to go to Philippians, Proverbs 14 and 10. The heart knoweth his own bitterness, and a stranger doth not intermeddle with his joy. Philippians 4 and 7 says this, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Not a single one of us can completely know what another person's heart is feeling. The only one who knows besides yourself is God. We empathize, we can sympathize, and we can do the best we can as the church to to hold on to one another. But at the end of the day, God alone knows our hearts fully. In those moments, those trials that we are in, whenever you feel bitterness, whenever you feel anguish, whenever you feel hurt, whenever you feel strife, prayer is always the antidote. The peace of God, it brings power to endure. The peace of God calms a troubling situation when explanations fail. The peace of God guards us by keeping anxieties from our hearts and from our minds, our choices, and our attitudes. And so simply, I'm I'm not here with fancy words tonight. I've just come with a direction this evening to encourage somebody that if you feel like you are in anguish or you're in grief or you're alone, that you are not alone this evening. That you are not by yourself. That yes, you may feel like there is bitterness and hurt in your heart, but it is only for a season. It is only for a due time because eventually the joy of the Lord comes like a flood that is unspeakable into your life and you don't have to continue living in that loneliness for much longer. So for the next few moments, I just have a short one tonight. I want to preach on this subject, the anomaly of feeling alone. The anomaly of feeling alone. If we can set our Bibles down, let's go before the Lord right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this evening. God, we give you all the honor, all the glory. God, you have all the power in the world to do whatever you do, but you see fit to allow us to come together and to your house to draw close to you, to draw nigh unto you. Lord, do not pass us by in this divine appointment this evening. God, God, there are needs in this house. There are needs that we mentioned earlier on the prayer list. God, so many needs in this place. Lord, God, let us draw closer to you through this service. God, God, let your Holy Ghost fall in this place. Let's sign miracles and wonders be in this place God if the altar is wet is needed God let us sacrifice what we need to get rid of God let us whatever it takes to draw close unto you whatever it takes for us to leave victorious to stand firm on your foundation that says I am a child of God and I am going to leave with my head up high I'm going to leave victorious this evening because I serve the champion of heaven I serve the mighty king of kings and the lord of lords whatever your will be done let it be done in this place 
this evening. Come on, Center Point, if you believe it, if you believe God is in this place, if you believe God can move even on a Wednesday night service, if you believe He can still do the miraculous, why don't you give Him a hand clap? Why don't you give Him a shout of victory? Why don't you praise Him in advance for what He's going to do in this service? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We glorify Your name. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, you can be seated. you are here tonight and you're feeling like you are alone in this world and that you have no one and that you think everyone around you does not care about you or that you feel like you are the only one in this race, I've come to tell you today that the devil is a liar. Though you may be having a moment of being alone, you are not meant to dwell in that loneliness. Look, it's Valentine's Day. I know for some of you, you may feel like the world is over because you did not get a date for Valentine's Day. But that is not what I'm here to accomplish tonight. That is just one day. In fact, there were 364 days out of the year that somebody can make you feel better and good about yourself. And so I'm going to hold on that there is somebody there for you to make you feel special and great the rest of the days of the week. But what I do feel led tonight to do is to help someone that's been having self-doubt with who they are. That's been having moments of loneliness and that someone thinks something is wrong with them because they feel alone and that they feel no one knows why they feel the way they do or why they are in such a pit of loneliness. I've come to tell someone today that when there are times that you feel alone, that is okay. Nothing is wrong with you. You are not dysfunctional. You are not a bad creation from Jesus Christ. It is okay to have moments where you feel alone. But you are not meant to feel alone forever. There's a difference and it starts with our hearts. From our beginning scripture, the heart knows its own bitterness. And it knows its own moments of joy. The word heart in Hebrew is leb, which means it is the inner person. It is our self. It is our choices. It's the seat of thought and emotion. It's our conscience. It's our courage. It's our mind. It's our understanding. It motivates us to do what we do and to be who we are. And it's within the trials of our lives that our hearts come to the front of it all. And with our hearts at center stage and amongst our trials, James reminds us that we must consider it a pure joy, my brethren, for when we face diverse temptations and when we face trials of many kinds, because your faith, for it to persevere, means it has to be tested. You and I need to understand that in moments that we face trials and the moments that we feel alone in those trials, that we need to understand that that is a part of life. In fact, it is trials that are given to a faithful disciple. It is evident when we look around Center Point that we have elders who have experienced trial after trial. And if they are standing here today with a firm foundation to show the testament of who God is, your trial is not the end of you. Your loneliness is not the end of you. 
I promise you that there is a God who is watching you, who is walking with you every step of the way, that you are not by yourself because there is a hope of deliverance amongst your situation. But in all honesty, though, that itself is a big expectation for us to have joy amidst the diverse temptations and trials. What, what makes trials so unique is that even if all of us face the same one, all of us are bound to handle it differently. For some of us, it might not be a big deal. And I know I joke, and I'm joking in this, in this example, but it may not be a big deal if you and I were locked into an all-you-can-eat buffet, and we got to enjoy some of the finest meats of chicken, pork, hamburgers, whatever you name it. That may not be a big deal to myself, but that's a pretty big deal to a vegetarian who would starve. It, it may not be a big deal for some if you're driving the road and someone cuts you off. For some, it might be something that they don't even think about. But for others, you and I, we may have to repent after the words that we give if somebody cuts us off on the road. Let's go a little deeper. If, if we hear about a child who is sick and needs medical attention from a distant place, an area that we hear about, we may say a prayer, but then we may go about our day and not think much else about it. But for the parents of that sick child, they can't go about their day like everyone else can. It's a little bit different for them in that trial. If you have a family member that passes away, that greatly affects people so differently. So many people react differently to trials and tribulations. In fact, we shouldn't be too critical of someone who struggles to have pure joy whenever they face trials of many kinds. Because you and I may not know what's really happening in the trial they are facing. Or we may not know the condition of that person's heart that is going through that trial. And the reality is, as the church, we try to play superhero sometimes. We, we, we think we can fix every single problem that comes into someone's life. And as the church, we should. We should try our very best to swoop in, to try and save the day, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to help those that are facing some hard times. But sometimes, no matter what we do, that person has to go through that trial because their heart has to know what it means to have bitterness and it has to know what it means to have joy. That is what a testimony is all about. A testimony is all about the highs and the lows of the moments in your life. A testimony shows the proof that even in my bitterness and even in my anguish and even though I may be mad at what's going on in my life, that I serve a God that has his ways that are higher than mine and I may not understand what is going on, but I will continue to trust in him because my heart needs to know what it means to come out of this situation, not down and out. Out, not in the grave, but come alive and be resurrected for such a time as this. But in all of our pain and in all of our bitterness, there's one thing we must never forget in what Jesus said in the book of John when he says, I give them eternal life, for they will never perish and no one will snatch it out of my hand. Paul said it like this, for I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, present nor future nor powers, neither height 
or depth or anything else in all creation will separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus. Do you understand that God loves you? Do you understand that God will do anything for you? Do you understand that God died on the cross for you and I so he can carry our sins? So don't think just because you aren't feeling alone and inadequate that God has forsaken you. God has not forsaken you. You just have to push a little longer and watch what God is about to do in your life. He has not given up. He has not forsaken you. Just hold on just a little bit longer. Your situation is not your story. Your situation is not the end of you. Don't give up. Just hold on. Amen. The anomaly of feeling alone is while the world convinces you that being alone is one of the worst things that can happen to you, it is sometimes in that moment of being or feeling alone when God shows you just how not alone you really are. If there's someone in the Bible that had moments of being alone, it was the man named Job. When you think of Job, for some, these moments of being alone and suffering plagued throughout his short excerpt of his life that you and I can read about. But in dealing with the suffering and in dealing with loneliness, Job was also a man of integrity. Job had lost many things in his life. He had lost his family. He had lost all of his assets, including his lineage, his livestock, and anything that would give him credit to his name. The, the poor guy had major health problems throughout his tragedies of his life, but yet throughout it all, he retained his integrity. He kept his character and reminded himself of the one who gave him his character. Job, as far as of any of us really know, never really understood why he was going through what he went through until the end of his story. One thing we are certain though of, in spite of all the terrible things that happened to him and in spite of his lack of understanding and wondering why the bad kept happening, Job remained faithful to God. Through it all, Job remained faithful. Through the ups, and through the downs, Job still remained faithful. He, he never understood for most of it why he was going through this, these trials. His, his heart kept feeling hurt after hurt and pain after pain. And in those moments, he felt alone. And no matter who he tried talking to, he couldn't share the burden. He couldn't share the pain because no one really knew what was happening both on the outside and the inside of Job. No one really knew the way Job's heart grieved except for God and him. But as a result in the end of it all, no one else could really share the joy that was coming. Job was tested both painfully, emotionally, and physically. The Bible said that he had boils all over his body, from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He had worms. He had scabs. His skin was broken and festering. His, his wife told him to curse God and die. His friends, even though they were good in a sense of, they were coming to him when he was down and out. They were talking to him when he was sad. They were trying to be those good friends of his. His friends still didn't understand what was going on in his life. His friends thought Job needed to repent. 
His friend said, and it's many chapters, but I'm just paraphrasing. His friend said, Job, what's going on with you is you've been bad. You've done something wrong and that you need to repent because God is punishing you. But Job said, no. Job said, I know who my God is. I've been faithful from the very beginning. You may look at it as a situation that is bad. You may look at it as me needing to say sorry for the things I've done wrong. But me and God knows I've done nothing wrong. I've stood firm on his foundation. I've stood firm in his truth. And I'm going to tell my friends and I'm going to tell my family I'm not going to curse God and die. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to show them that I'm going to stick this trial out. That I'm going to stick this situation out. And that I am going to stand by the end of it and prove to everyone who God really is come on sometimes it's easy look I'm all up for advice but sometimes people really don't know what's going on and you don't need to look if at the end of the day you just need to look for what God has to say I'm thankful for the people in my life. I really am. I'm thankful for them. But sometimes I've got to hear the voice of God. I've got to hear what God has going on in my life because I know the people in my life love me. I know there are people in my life who don't love me. But what I do know for a fact, 100% is at the end of the day, I've got God on my side as long as I'm doing things that are pleasing of Him. And He's going to always direct my path because I am not alone in my situation. I am not alone in my tribulation. I've got God, Jesus Christ. I've got Him walking with me every step. Of the way. Job lost almost 12,000 head of livestock. That's a lot. He lost 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys. He lost his children and he lost his household. But yet he was kept with a nagging wife and guilt-tripping friends. What a bad shape to be in. What a bad shape to be in. I'm not going to dive into the whole nagging wife thing as others do. I'm staying away from that. But it was a bad situation for Job. But Job understood what mattered most to him. It didn't matter what you took from Job. All Job cared about is I've got to have my relationship with God at the end of the day. That's what's most important. And my feeling of loneliness when I've lost family and I've lost friends and I've lost material things. It's the relationship I have with God that's never going to make me feel alone. That's never going to make me feel like I am in this pit of loneliness. Job said, I will maintain my righteousness and never let go of it. When Job saw what had happened in his life. And when Satan started going after the assets of Job to cause these moments where he felt alone to hurt his heart, to try and disrupt his character, Job did four things. He tore his mantle, he shaved his head, he fell on the ground, and he worshipped God. I understand when things happen, there's grief that happens. Your heart is broken. Bitterness can set in and you're mad because you can't explain things around you. You're just here in the moment. But promise you this, if you will worship God in the midst of your storm, he's going to work it out for his good. If you will just fall on, sometimes you got to fall on your face. Sometimes it's not going to look pretty. 
when you worship God. But I promise you, if you worship Him with everything you've got, God is going to honor what you are seeking after. Even if you've lost everything, God is going to reward you. Amen. God honored Job for what he did when he was alone. Job still came out on top even though he had hit rock bottom. Through his great trial and testing, God made Job complete and blessed beyond measure. Blessed so much, in fact, that the Bible says that God blessed Job in his latter life than he did in his former. If you could just understand this for a moment, that God is wanting to bless your latter than he was blessing your former sometimes. If you think you've got it good now, watch God come in and bless you more than what he's been blessing you. Sometimes it's got to take a moment where you're alone in your situation, where you're fighting it all but yourself. But I promise you, what you had before the trial is not going to come close to what you got when you come out of this storm. You're going to make it. You're going to be fine. God's got double for you when you get out of this situation. Come on, there's a reason why the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. When there's bitterness that only our heart can feel, there's joy that only your heart can feel. Come on, if you're questioning why God is taking you through something, why God is allowing yourself to face the bitterness and for your heart to hurt and for you to feel alone, God is trying to make you stronger and wiser. If Job's story isn't one that you can relate to, maybe the story of David will help you out this evening. David is known famously as a man after God's own heart. But David didn't know that when God called him to begin with. God saw something in David before David saw something in himself. If what God saw in David before David even knew what he would have become, what has God seen in us, church? And what is God wanting or, or calling us that we have yet to step into this evening? Come on, there are some amazing worship leaders in this place that God is wanting you to step into. There are some amazing Sunday school teachers that God is wanting you to step into. There is some amazing ministers and world changers in this place that God is wanting you to step into. There is some amazing people who could smile better than the rest of them, that could greet somebody better than the rest of them. And, and because you feel alone and that you don't have anybody, you don't think God can still use you mightily. I'm telling you, maybe you're alone because the person out there that you need comforting with is out there waiting for you to greet them. Maybe you feel alone because there's somebody outside of these four walls that feels just like you and they need somebody like you to not feel so alone. Maybe God is waiting on you to step into that purpose this evening that say, God, it doesn't matter if I'm lonely. It doesn't matter if I feel alone. It doesn't matter what situation I'm going through. God, I'm going to step into the purpose you have for me. God, I'm going to step into my the life you have for me and I'm going to do what it takes. God, whatever it takes for others to not feel alone. Are we living up to his expectations? Are we being everything God has called us to be? When David hit a moment of grief, of loneliness, 
his heart too understood the bitterness and sorrow that he felt. 1 Samuel chapter 30, starting in verse 3. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. David and his people lost everything. Their family, their children, their livelihood, their wives, their significant others, they lost everything. Verse 5, And David's two wives were taken captive, and Ioam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. Verse 6, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Every single one of David's men were ready to stone David for what had happened. And rightfully so. They were mad. They were upset. Come on, you ever been so upset that you just want to take it out on somebody else? Come on, you ever been so mad that something happened that was out of your control that the only thing you felt like you could do was be mad at somebody else when they had nothing to do with the situation? Come on, how many times have we showed up to work, showed up to church with baggage and were mad at the church people, but they had nothing to do with it? They had no control of what happened outside of these four walls. But because you're close to them and because you love them and because you're open with them, you're mad at them for what happened outside of these four walls when you shouldn't be mad at the church. We're all human. We all make mistakes. David understood why they were mad. He understood why they wanted to stone him. The Bible says that every single heart of these men were bitter. For they grieved over their sons and daughters. But instead of doing what Job and David did and worshipped God. These men, they wanted to attack their leader. They wanted to attack the person in their life that was leading them to better things ahead. How we react when we are hurting and others attack us shows a lot about who we are. People hurt people. And if we are not careful, we will allow the hurt and the bitterness to blind us to what God is wanting to do into our lives. I'm just being open. There's times where I've walked into this church and I've been upset and I've been mad at other people. And there's somebody in this church who wants to talk to me, who wants me to counsel them, who wants to talk about life. But I'm so gunked up in my mind because I'm so mad and so bitter of what else is going on that I'm robbing the, a blessing that I can be for that person. I'm robbing the power that God can show through me. Come on, somebody. There are people that walk through this church that do not need us to bring our bitterness with us, that need us to bring our bitterness at the altar, that there are people in this community and this world that do not need us to be mad at them, that do not need us to be clouded by bitterness, but let the joy of the Lord be within our heart and let them show them what it means to be a child of God. David chose not to retaliate. 
David chose not to engage in the argument. David chose not to attack his brother because he understood their grief. He sympathized and he empathized with his brothers. He too had experienced the same thing on a similar level. Oh man, how easy it is for us to want to get even or get back at the person who did us wrong. But David chose another option. He, he followed what it said in Matthew when it said to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. David encouraged himself in the Lord. How did he encourage himself in the Lord? Verses 7 through 8 of the same chapter say this, And David said to Abiathar the priest, Amalek's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after the troops? Shall I pursue after the people that slay the sons and the daughters? Shall I overtake them, Lord? This was after David had worshipped God and, and the Lord said and he answered him, Pursue for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. If you're trying to get past your bitterness, if you're trying to get past your anger and your loneliness, try worshipping God first before you start to do anything. Come on, how many, how many people we know, how many people we know that get hurt, that get upset, and they want to try what the world says to do to fix their bitterness. You should, you should drink this. You should take this pill. You should go do this. You should go do that. That's going to fix your hurt. That's going to fix your pain. No, what will fix your hurt, what will fix your bitterness is worshiping Jesus Christ, is praising Him with everything you have, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. That is how... You beat loneliness. That is how you beat anger and bitterness. You worship God first and let Him lead in everything you do. Come on, does anybody want their joy back? Does anyone want what the enemy stole for them? Is there anyone that is still grieved and hurting and that their heart is hurt? Why don't we worship God in these next few seconds? Come on, why don't we, with everybody standing up, I'm closing. Why don't we worship God in these moments? Hallelujah, Jesus, God. God, why don't we, we worship you right now, Lord God. God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are, God. It doesn't matter how lonely I feel. It doesn't matter how hurting I feel, God. God, I'm going to give it all to you, everything I do revolves around you hallelujah Jesus thank you Lord thank you for listening to today's message we pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come if you would like to connect with us further give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash centerpoint Pentecostal church or just search centerpoint Pentecostal church on Facebook if you would like to join one of our services in person the service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless, and we hope to see you on the next episode.